WFAE's David Borex has the story. Tariq Bakari and Larkin Eggleston call their podcast R&D in the QC. Eggleston says they hope to reach people who may not pay attention to the council. Eggleston is 35 and a Democrat. Bakari is a 37-year-old Republican. Despite their political differences, they bonded on the campaign trail in part over their beards, says Bakari. The beards themselves are what truly united us in the beginning. They hope to be an example of how to debate productively across the political divide. Episode 26, we talk about several controversial rezonings. I'm just kidding. RNC 2020. Ladies and gentlemen, it's episode 26. We are back, R&D in the QC, after a bit of a break, is back and live, and ladies and gentlemen, do we have an exciting episode for you, that's right, zoning. Larkin, welcome back, are you ready to talk zoning, my friend? I have a feeling we're not going to spend much time talking about zoning tonight. Are you sure? I mean, don't don't you think the people want to hear about the cases? I mean, we had five zoning cases in District 6 alone tonight. I, I doubt anyone's tuning in to hear about zoning. Are we still allowed to say we're so tired, or is that is that not? No, I think that's been. Uh, we can't do that. That's been outlawed. Come on, man. Now listen. Um, tell me, um, other than zoning, what's been going on? Well, we started our meeting at two today, so we had eight. Well, I guess a four-hour meeting followed by a four-hour meeting. Uh, the first of which is probably what more people are going to be talking about tomorrow than our zoning meeting. Yes, yes. I think the internet is officially broken at this point. Um, I've, encur- so. I've encouraged you to stop looking at it. I, I also have uh, tried to veer away from it. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, we, we had a big vote on the RNC 2020 potentially being held in Charlotte. And uh, just so everyone understands, uh, what we voted on tonight – and uh, obviously heard from over 100 community members uh, that spoke, uh, was about um, authorizing the city manager to be able to take the, the principles and tenets of the current draft form of the contract with the RNC host committee, a group of around 70 local executive business leaders in town, um, to, to, uh, for him to execute that contract with that group should we get awarded the um, RNC 2020 bid by the, um, the site selection committee. So that's the backdrop of our decision, what it was. Um, it was clearly, uh, I mean, for us, I, I'll speak for myself, uh, this was the most intense thing that I think we've been through uh, in our short tenure here, seven months. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we've had some contentious rezonings in different districts that got people riled up, um, but those are obviously a more narrow contingent of our city uh, that felt a strong connection to the issue one way or the other. And, um, yeah, so this was – now, I'll, I'll start out by saying the, the format today was at 2 o'clock we started a public hearing. Um, Mayor Lyles laid out the ground rules and the, the kind of flow of the day. We let that run till about 4.15, got every single speaker in. There were 133 that were signed up, or 130-something, and I think 117 of them or so showed up. You can correct me on it if you got either of those A little, little, little less, but close. Um, but we got through every single speaker, which was great. And I was really 
pleasantly surprised uh, by the by the tenor of the room. I, I think a lot of us expected it to really kind of boil over. Uh, we I think staff tried as best possible um, to blend and alternate between <clears throat> dissent and support, um, which is kind of an interesting tactic because it also meant that people oftentimes who vehemently disagreed on this issue were sitting next to each other in directly the next to each other. I mean, mm-hmm. we they, they set it up one pro one against and they um, back and forth. So everyone's sitting next to each other, literally in the entire thing. You couldn't group up if you wanted to. There was a little bit of hissing or booing or cheering and a little bit of, of, of pep rally stuff going on. But, on both ve- sides. but very few but and far between. There was nothing. I don't think there was a single instance where anybody uh, got out of control, even verbally attacked yeah. anybody. Um, so, I mean, for what it's worth, I, I was very pleased that. And again, I, one of the, my comments was it's hard to hate up close. It's hard to sit next to somebody who, who clearly genuinely believes what they believe um, about whether this is a good idea or a bad idea. You're not necessarily going to change your opinion, but, but you can look at that person, and know that they're genuine in their conviction that they either believe this is uh, an opportunity for the city or a mistake for the city or whatever it is. And, um, and I just didn't see any, um, anybody acting out of line on either side in that regard. There were some comments, you know, that came from both sides that maybe I didn't think were effective ways to advocate for people's positions, but more than not, I thought people on both sides, again, took kind of the high road on, um, not making it so partisan, um, and you mentioned that it was really hard. People would walk up and you'd kind of go, oh, this person's definitely for it. And then they'd be against it. Or this person's definitely against it and they'd be I, for it. I was it. very surprised. So it, that was interesting, too, that it was, you know, there were people who got up and said, I'm a Republican and I don't want it. Or I'm a Democrat and I do want it. And um, yep. other oddities like that. So it was people tried um, in, in some of the communications I got from folks via email and stuff to oversimplify that, you know, that. Democrats don't want this or Charlotte doesn't want this or Charlotte does want this or, or whatever the case, but you can't oversimplify this. There is nothing simple about this decision. There was nothing simple about the breakdown of who wanted it, who didn't. And um, so it really was, I mean, obviously it was, it was a tough, tough decision. I guess we should mention, I'm sure anybody listening at this point probably knows, but ultimately um, council did pass this six to five uh, and pending the RNC's selection of Charlotte, which is expected, I think, Thursday or Friday of this week in Austin, Texas, um, we will be hosting the RNC. So so two things. One, to your point of uh, the surprise of kind of the numbers and count, for anyone out there who's – because right now social media is still on fire. For anyone out there who's like, this is not what Charlotte's about, and this is not what a majority of Charlotte feels, I, I think your point on um, – how surprising it was who was for and against uh, it was the backdrop. And then I, I was sitting there with my little notepad here making little tick marks. Uh, so I knew that the count of not only who was for and against, but for those against what topics that they all, all kind of centered around in their arguments and, and just over a hundred people or so 54% were for and 46% were against. So not only is it close that I is it scientific? No, but is it the a group of people? Anyone who had the opportunity to do so made the time to come out, 
and and voice their opinion and and while pretty even more people were for this in our city than against it i mean that says something powerful well, more, to me more to be fair more people were for it in the chamber today we have no way to know what that means i totally agree but yeah. but, but but who had a leg up there Everybody had the same opportunity to come out, and both sides were rallying their people to come. So, I mean, it's if it was 98% against and 2% for, I think that's a totally different argument. And maybe some that would be valid of what some people are saying of our city doesn't, you know— if it's the Trump argument, which I which I very much disagree with, and I don't think it has to do with the person, but it's the argument about the GOP and who it is today has no place in our city. Well, people feel that way, and not just Republicans. So that's 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 yeah. one angle. But he, here's a question I have for you, because uh, I I mean I I'm I'm with you a lot, right? I I know you at this point pretty well, and uh hopefully uh, our our listeners can hear it too in your voice you you're conflicted right now i mean i, I haven't seen you like this before I, I i see it in you that you are um that you are not in a good mental place right now and uh thanks buddy no, no problem but ex- <clears throat> explain to our listeners who've been with us for what this is you know episode 26 26 episodes where literally all of them have been light we've messed around we've joked around we're we, you're not in the mood to joke around right now. Uh, tell our listeners what's going through your head right now. Well, no, because it's not easy to it's not easy to make to have people who really matter to you and who support you and who believe in you um, feel let down by you. And I know that I've got people out there that supported me and and hopefully still support me. But regardless of, of whether they've changed their minds about me or not. It's, it's hard to hear from people that you respect um, that they're disappointed in you. And and I've heard from a lot of people that I really respect um, who support the decision I made tonight. I, I guess, again, I should clarify in case someone doesn't know um, that I was one of the six people who voted um, to allow the RNC to come here. So, you know, that it's just it's just more complicated than Trump. And I know. No one I don't even think our two Republicans, yourself included, would would argue that Trump is a different president than George W. Bush was or George H.W. Bush or, or any other Republican president or th- person that could have won the 2016 election. Um, that is beyond a shadow of a doubt, the case. But I, I think this goes beyond Trump. And I, I made multiple references in my comments um, to the fact that I believe uh, that Trump has severe moral shortcomings and shortcomings as a president. But I think that this is, uh, this is about more than that. And I, I know that people will say this is an idiotic viewpoint and there's very little precedent that should lead me to have this naive belief. But I just don't know where you start to fix this if somebody doesn't step up and, and lead by example. And I think that, you know, painting – painting everybody in the Republican party as a bunch of Trump soldiers to me is, is not accurate. And, and I know that there are people who have not stood up to the president when they should have in Washington and elsewhere. But you know, the fact of the matter is I think, and I've heard from some of them, there are people today looking at the four Democrats. (laughs) There's plenty of people looking at the four Democrats and pissed, but there are people looking at the four Democrats today that stuck their necks out probably at a personal cost to some of us 
and saying, you know, it's, it's got to change some minds and some hearts. And, and the next time that some of those people are inclined to say that all Democrats are, are X or all Democrats are Y or whatever, you know, maybe pause and go, well, no, maybe they're not all that way because we saw some of them stick their necks out to allow us to host our convention the way that we as a community allowed Democrats to host their convention in 2012. And again, no one thinks that this is the 2012 Democratic National Convention. This is not the same. But I believe in our city, we, you and I, and every member of, of this council has talked exhausting, exhaustively, is that the word? With staff, with the police chief, with folks from the governor's office, with folks from the RNC, uh, with folks who were involved in the DNC. And this is not a decision that anybody took lightly. And I so for anybody to, to think that it was or that um, I mean, you can think we're misguided. You can disagree with my vote, and I know I know many people, and unfortunately, many of my friends do. Um, but I'll, I'll say, especially for the four Democrats, there was nothing easy about us sticking our neck out and voting yes on this. So I would ask people who know us, you know, why would we have voted yes unless we really felt like all things considered, it was the right decision? And for me. You know, some one of our colleagues who was voting no asked me a couple weeks or a week or two ago. He said, How, "What would it take for you to be a no?" And I, I said, "A time machine. I can be convinced that if we could go back to January, or February, or whenever it was, that maybe we should have sat this one out. But we took this thing so far down the path that to pull out from it now, while plenty of people said it's worth the cost, I think that we had done enough due diligence to know that it wasn't." And so, you know, I don't, people should never blindly trust their elected leaders, but I think some trust is required. If, if you believed in us enough to vote for us, um, hopefully we'll have a chance to, to prove ourselves right. Um, and if we don't, then you can vote us out of office. That's how democratic government works. But I assure you that, that especially the Democrats put a lot of thought into this and didn't just vote for it because, Oh, the money. I didn't mention the economic impact in my comments because I think while it's real and it's, it's important and it's got to be considered, I think it's easy to, to rebut that argument. I talked about taking the high road, leading by example, um, and, and I just, you know, I hope people, I'm not asking for the benefit of the doubt, but I, I do hope that the people who helped me or voted for me or supported me will take the time to sit down with me sometime in the next couple of months over coffee or after all this, I'd probably prefer whiskey um, <laughs> and, and talk to me about it in a respect, respectful way, because I'm happy to sit down with anybody and explain how I got to this decision. Uh, if they're willing to listen and, and not make assumptions going in and I won't make assumptions going in as to why they disagree with me. And they very well often might leave and still disagree with me, but um, I'm not scared to defend my position. And, um, and I hope people will give me the opportunity to do it. Yeah. I mean, well said, and, and for what it's worth, I know this doesn't doesn't do you any good, <laughs> but what I'll say is I saw you every step of the way through this, and you made up your mind based on your set of principles and what it was, and what I saw, and, and hopefully th this is worth something to our listeners out there, I saw somebody step up with some backbone uh, in a time uh, and, and, and it would, it would have been a lot easier to, to go the other way. And when I saw some of our other colleagues do exactly that, 
look for excuses or bail out on th- on a head nod they gave or other things they've said behind the scenes. And I didn't see you do that. And my respect for you, even though I'm sure all, all the other side of the aisle or the other side of this debate will say, well, just because that's what you wanted, Tart, I will tell you, I, I hope that when my day comes that I need to stand up and have that kind of backbone and look in the face of my base and the things I believe as a person, as an individual, um, but I need to supersede that with what's best for the community that I do that like you did. And my parallel was in the budget not that long ago where I it's very similar to this. I didn't get to a point where I had to had to follow through on it, but I was prepared and I told many of our council members, I announced it on this podcast, I will vote for the budget with a tax increase, even though that's everything I'm against. Almost the same level of what you're talking about right now with, with how you feel about Trump as an individual, but you made that not part of this debate, and I respect you for it, that I would have voted for a tax increase and looked at my base and said, I voted for a budget with a tax increase because it was the step 13 officers that needed it ultimately um, that raise, and if we could get them all the way there, if my vote was worth that, well, great, let's do it. I know there's some differences between those two, but I was prepared to do it. And, man, I I like to think I would have followed that through, but you never know until you're faced with it. And I've seen you now in the situation where you were faced with it, and you did it, and I see the look on your face, and I and, and it, it bothers me. Like, I should be happy right now, and I'm not, because I see what you're going through. So I, I just, you know... Well, it's tough, too. I heard from a lot of folks, you know, current and former elected Democrats, uh, very progressive liberal business owners. I heard from a lot of folks who came up to me and said, this would be good for my business, or I think this is the right move for our city. Um, and and they were, not surprisingly, only comfortable telling me that in private. Yeah. And I think that's part of the problem and part of what led to more people need to step up well, and not talk to us I, all, all I, off the record. I don't know when I, we we could use some extra air cover. I'm, that, and I'm going to say that out loud, man. Well, that I, wasn't you, even, you may not. That but. wasn't even necessarily my point. Not to not to chastise people who are uncomfortable stepping out so much as to say, what environment do we now have that people are scared to to voice an opinion? Um, you know, I know a, a, a prominent. Uh, member of the LGBT community that posted something basically saying that, that they agreed with this decision uh, to bring the RNC and, and then promptly got lambasted by our fellow Democrats. And so I just, and this is like one of the most <laughs> just unquestionably good people in Charlotte that, that I'm referencing. So I, I don't know. It's like, what, where are we if, if we can't disagree and have uh, an adult debate about it. And and I can be convinced that I'm wrong. I can be convinced to change my mind on things. But when people are literally scared to voice their opinions, I had restaurant owners tell me, I really think this would be great for my business and for my employees. But if I post that, people will start writing bad reviews about my restaurant. And my 4.3 on Google will go down to a 2.7 overnight. And I, and I can't afford that because then that hurts my business and hurts my employees. And so that's where we're at. Is We are in a terrible, terrible spot. And I just I, – I know, agree, man. That, that's just I, – I, I might very well be proven wrong, but I, I genuinely am holding out hope that I'll be proven right, that it's, it's things like this that have people 
calm down the rhetoric and I, it clearly and clearly isn't working yet today but i mean if if democrats stick their neck out to give republicans the benefit of the doubt on some things sometimes and republicans stick their neck out to give democrats the benefit of the doubt on some things sometimes and there's a line there somewhere i'm not saying it's just blind trust across the aisle because neither party has earned that from the other but i i, I genuinely believe that as more of that happens where appropriate people will calm down on the idea that all Democrats are, are this or all Republicans are that or all whatever. Um, it, I don't know. We're on the verge of if it, I mean, I, I don't want to have the Trump debate, although I've had a debate with Braxton where we de- tap danced around it for the last week. And, and I don't want to have the Trump debate right now because I don't think this decision is about Trump. I don't think it's about one person. One of my points was there's 78 million registered Republicans and 127 million when you add in those that lean Republican in this country. Uh, This is their convention to nominate their presidential candidate nominee. And they have been doing this for many, many years. So presidents come and go, and this is not about just that. Now, is there a fair debate to be had there? Sure there is. And are there things that I dislike and things that I like about Trump? Yes, there are. And I'm willing to have that debate, but not now during this time. But the thing that concerns me is, like, we're past this point of no return, it feels like. A a President Trump exists because things that have happened over the last four, eight, 12 years. And... A President X, whoever that name is, after Trump, is going to exist based on what we do right now during this two, four, and eight-year period. And I don't see it getting better. I see us further dividing, further splintering in our own parties. I I mean, I feel like the two-party system is on a crash course for disaster. And the country will be there shortly thereafter if we don't get a hold of this. And, and I mean, that's where my hope – I'm going to spin this back to a positive angle. That's where my hope – of Charlotte. Charlotte can have over 100 people sitting side by side with someone who believes in the exact opposite of what they came to speak about and be polite to each other and respectful and give their give their opinions and then leave. And then well, once everybody gets back to social media, the small 30, 50, 70 voices uh, out there of a super minority on either fringe side go crazy and make it nuts again. But to your point earlier, it's hard to hate up close. When you're in person, it's a it's a totally different world. And my hope is that we use this next two-year period, now that we've made this decision, a lot of people, including you, have laughed at me by making statements of, this is a kind of project we need. I believe that we can show the world we can do this better than anybody else. And in doing so, come together about our city. Not one man, not even one party, but how our city handles balancing public safety and free speech. Well, one thing, and I... I've- certain this extends to the other Democrats. And actually, I'll say I think it extends to several of the no votes. I think now we've got, I don't know, 18 months left in this term, or 15, 16, I don't know how many, year and a half, more or less, left in this term. And I think even some, if not all of the no votes now, will transition to, this is happening, let's make it as good as it can be for Charlotte, and let's make sure that I assure you, one of my main priorities is is this convention gets planned, and and hell, because of tonight's vote, maybe I'm not maybe I'm not in this seat when this convention gets here. But even if I'm not, I'll still work with the people 
who are in are in these seats to make sure from then from now to then that we create a space for protesters that we create a space for dissenting voices to be heard and not stuck in some corner where nobody sees them and no one knows they're there we will highlight that this community and I'm not speaking of the whole community, but that a lot of, of my community in District 1 and a lot of my community in the Democratic Party doesn't believe in the things that this president is saying or doing. Um, and I think that's part of what these conventions are all about. And that's part of what democracy is all about is we're going to go out and say, we don't believe in this president. We believe the Republican Party has a right to have a convention and nominate who they want, which hell might or might not be Donald Trump. But we're also going to go out and say, these are the things we don't believe in. These are the things we do believe in. And this is why we think our candidate, whoever that ends up being, is the better option to lead this country. So I, this is not – no one's – well, <laughs> the the fact that this city – I'm not going to say no one's celebrating the president, clearly. But the fact – And there are. The I fact mean, that this I, city I have council is many here, constituents that care about him. I'm not pushing that narrative or dialogue or debate these, against four you. Four of these six – Because that's not what this is about. Four of these six yes votes tonight – Definitely didn't vote for President Trump in 2016 and definitely won't vote for him in 2020. But that was not what we decided to vote on. And I, I will do in whatever capacity I exist in, I will do whatever I can to make sure that President Trump is a one term president. Even if that means I'm a one term councilman, I honestly that is not my motivating factor. And, and I have been so annoyed watching Congress people do things that I know they don't believe in because that's what they're supposed to do. That's what their party said to do. That's what their donors said to do. That's such a garbage way to govern. And I'm, I'm not, I'm talking more, you know, federal level now, but I, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that drove me crazy about politics. And I swore I'd never do it. And, and honestly, I meant it when I said we are not elected to protect our own re-election, our next re-election. We are protected to do what we think is best with all the information we have, and it's our job to have as much information as possible. And six of us tonight, looking at all that information, um, decided that this was this was the way we needed to go forward, and not that um, not that we are, you know, the most excited people in Charlotte that this is coming. But I think that we there are things about this that will be good for our city. And I think there are a lot of things that would have been bad for our city had we at this late juncture decided that we were going to all jump ship. And I think that weighed into it. And people can say, you know, we shouldn't we shouldn't be bullied by what might happen or whatever. But the reality is everybody saw what HB2 looked like. That was bad for everyone in this city, whether you're a Democrat or Republican and independent or otherwise. And to invite the potential for something like that to come to our city again, to our state again, uh, but in this case, it would have been laser focused on Charlotte. It would would be reckless as an elected official. And so, I understand people want to make a statement, but but I will, as best as I'm able, never allow something like House Bill Two to devastate the economy of this state or this city again. And you know, I, I went over with your boy Ray McKinnon and uh, had a one on one debate with him because he's real passionate about it. He's a good friend of yours, and he's on the exact opposite angle end of this one. And as we were debating, it, it became evident to me. And, and after my debates with Braxton all last week, you know, my comment to him then, and then the, I made I inserted in my comments tonight, there's a big difference between uh, an individual community activist and an elected activist. There just has to be. And, it, it, and the, the, it's a terrible way to say it, but I'm just going to say it anyway. Uh, on the grand scheme of things, an individual community activist has nothing to lose. 
and and I know people right now bristling up and like that's the most terrible thing you could say, but they have nothing to lose on this on the, the the grand scale of what I'm talking about because if they come up to an elected body and say I need you to do this, I want you to do this, I'm going to put pressure on you, well they either do it or they don't. But they but they're not going to come back and say I'm going to take away your wages, I'm going to take away your house, I'm going to take away your car. They're not going to do that. But an elected activist all of a sudden has to operate a little bit differently because they have something to lose on a grand scale for their community. They might say, oh, well, you know what? I'm tired of cowering to Raleigh. Raleigh, you know what? What more could they do to us? Well, there's a lot more they could do to us because this is not a, a relationship of equals. We serve at, the, at their discretion. We are created because they allowed us to be here. And anyone who can't accept that reality is going to repeat HB2. And no matter what side of HB2 you were on, I've never met someone who looked me in the eye, who was credible, and I believed them, to say, you know what? I'm glad we went through that. No matter which side they're on. And we have to be real re realists in the fact that we are a Dylan Rules state, and we serve it at their discretion, essentially. So... You know, I, I, I'm not saying that you go around and you, you operate in fear to Raleigh or to D.C. or to whatever it is. What I'm saying is you pick your battles and what battles are most important enough. And I, this one, there were angles in it that I think could have been fair. But at the end of the day, there are millions and millions of Republicans who have to select their nominee. And this is not just about one man or woman one day, which it will be, I believe, uh, this is about this is about a, a, a convention of of people who represent a huge chunk of our country and our city. So to 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 be to to think that this is about one man or to think that we can be individual activists as elective activists are two things that I think are really important to realize here if if we're gonna make our way forward. So I, I appreciate you. I know we don't agree on all the pieces and premises of this. But I think that we ended up being on the same side of this vote this time. And I respect you for why you got there. I also respect you, but don't agree with you, for why you don't like it, but you didn't weigh into, uh, into your decision. And, and my hope is that, um, is that I, I have the guts and the backbone when my day comes, when I believe uh, in a topic that is going to put me at odds and face-to-face -face with my constituency, that, that I show the same courage you did. Well, I'm uh, I'm ready to call it a night, but I, the my final comment will be much the same as my first comment, which is um, to anyone out there who's who's disappointed in my vote uh, or feels like I let them down, um, you know, I genuinely would like to talk to you and and I would in a face to face um, respectful manner, and I I will certainly respect and probably agree with a lot of the concerns that you have or the reasons that you were against this. Um, and, and I don't necessarily re request that you um, agree with any of the any of the case that I might make, uh, but I'd hope that you'd respect it and that ultimately you'd say, well, I, I still think it was the wrong decision, but I trust that you made the decision you thought was best for Charlotte with all the information you had because that's what I did. And so um, anybody uh, who did or didn't support me and or will or won't support me in the future, um, that, that part doesn't matter so much but um anybody who feels they're owed an explanation uh will get one and um so again we move forward from here and the people who are really mad about this it's also then important that that they pivot to say now that it's coming 
let's make sure that Charlotte shines because if if the idea is let's make this thing as bad as possible, um, then I assure you this was the wrong decision because uh, that will not be good for Charlotte's citizens. It will be not be good for Charlotte's businesses. It will not be good for Charlotte's future. And um, and so I think we owe it to our city and our neighbors and ourselves to make this as much of a benefit and a success to Charlotte as possible uh, now that it's going to happen. So, Well, I appreciate you, Larkin. And just because this has been the most somber, serious, and uh, unfunny event uh, uh, or episode of our history here, 26 episodes, I will end with one question. Um, what musical instrument did Bill Murray learn to play in Groundhog Day? I'm going to say harmonica. Everybody in the world knows it was blues piano, dude. Come on, man. That's terrible. Just terrible. I don't have time for movies. <laughs> We're going to get back to our funny roots next week. Larkin, any final words? You already said them. You want Over. any more finals? Over and out. Over and out. Who win it now?